Here we go, and we're recording. So tonight's guest is Tiffany Johnson of Citizen Safety Academy, um, probably one of the busiest people in the firearms training community, I swear. <laughs> like, you got so many things going on right now. <laughs> you got TACCON coming up in, like, three or four weeks. You got, you know, you're already – you're also – you've been doing the Range Master newsletter for absolutely forever. Um, <laughs> that was that thing. That was the thing I wanted to ask you about. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> you figured it, it out until we actually recording. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, what else is there? Um. You're also uh, you're doing a whole lot with the Citizen Safety Academy. You're touching a lot of lives there. Um. You're touching a lot of lives along with uh. You know, uh, helping out Tom Gibbons with uh, Range Master. Um. You know, just um. And the biggest thing I want to ask you about is you know we'll get to it in just a second. The uh uh the uh, the gateway instructor certification, but yeah, I'm just, it's just an honor. Tiff, thanks for coming on tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The honor is all mine. I appreciate the invitation. So, so that thing, like before the show, um, <laughs> I apologize to my listeners and my viewers before the show, I swear, I think I spent like maybe 15 or 20 minutes just trying to figure out like exactly what it was I was forgetting. And so, um, so you're going to have to forgive me, Tiffany. I don't want to put you on the spot. Feel free to say no to this. But I think that the story that you have, you know, as far as like coming into firearms training, I think it's a story that has touched a lot of people, myself included. And I think it's a story that needs to be told. I, If you wouldn't mind, can you can you help us understand how how you got into it? Sure. Um, and and I'll also apologize to your listeners for anybody who's heard this story before, because I do get asked this a lot. I guess that my my entry into the training community is a little bit atypical. Um, so it does become the subject of conversation every now and again. Um, I started out as I don't I wouldn't say that I was necessarily anti-gun, but I was definitely fearful of guns. I thought guns were cool in action movies, but kind of um, a pariah in real life society. And those sentiments got hardened, I think, when I was a teenager and a young adult because of a series of tragedies that resulted in, um, you know, injury or fatality for people that I was very close to. So, I naturally not having the information to know any better, I immediately zeroed in on the gun as being the central component to all of this loss and all of this death and this fear and, you know, just pain. And so um, I, I felt like it was kind of consuming me a little bit. It was, it was just on my mind. It was, it was like having a splinter, you know? So I finally decided that I was going to start if I was going to have conversations about why guns are bad, I didn't want to just say, I didn't want to just speak from emotion. I wanted to be able to speak intelligently about the negative aspects of America's gun culture. So I took a gun class. I took a just a basic permit class. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't want a permit, didn't want to carry. The only reason I took the class is so that I could talk like I knew a little bit about guns when I was explaining to people my negative opinions about guns. And um, I had no idea that the teacher 
that the instructor for my class was world famous. I had no idea who Tom Gibbons was. It was just sheer dumb luck that I walked into Range Master. And the only reason I did is because it was the closest range to my house at the time. So it was just pure luck. I, I, I deserve zero credit for training with Tom my first time out. It was, I just, you know, somebody in the cosmos was looking out for me. But uh, long story short, I took that entry level class from Tom. Um, my, I was fascinated and curious and signed up for the level two class that same day. Um, I have no idea why Tom took me under his wing. He and I are very different. There's a million reasons why we should not be friends. We should not be mentor and mentee. He should not be a father figure to me, but he is. Um, a year later, I was taking the Range Master Instructor Certification course, and here I am now, 22 years later, having taken every course in the Range Master curriculum, and also I've branched out and trained with lots of other nationally known trainers, that most of whom I've gotten connected to through Tom. But again, I just I just consider myself absolutely lucky and blessed to have you know, spark for, for Tom to have taken an interest in me for whatever reason. To this day, I don't know what it was. There were probably 15 people in that first class that I took. Um, but, you know, he encouraged me to keep coming back. And I felt like that encouragement was genuine. And I did. And pretty quickly, all of my misconceptions just started peeling away. And Again, I, I was I was working towards becoming an instructor probably about a year later. That's incredible, man! What a what a fantastic story. Um, <laughs> so now within the Range Master cadre, like, are you like? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're a staff instructor now with Range Master. Is that correct? That's only what like five of you, right? There are five of us, yes. And Tom's very adamant about clarifying the distinction between being Range Master certified and being Range Master staff. There are only five staff members outside of Tom and Lynn. Um, there are um, hundreds of Range Master certified instructors. Tom now has four levels of instructor development certification, and he's pretty much now focusing almost exclusively on instructor development, which is great. That's his passion. Um, so people are steadily taking those classes, and, and he's training more and more people to be better instructors. But um, but staff members, there are five of us. That's so legit. Yeah. So I'm talking you're in the same company of like Lee Weems and, you know, John Hearn. That's pretty that's pretty legit. Um, I don't yeah, I do not consider awesome. myself a peer to John Hearn and Lee Weems or John Murphy or Akil Kadir, who are the other four staff members. Um, but I think I bring something completely different to the table, a different viewpoint, um, more training in the art of instruction in particular, but I'll never be the shooters that they are. And I'll never be as deep in the weeds on, you know, uh, tactics as they are. That's totally their lane. And I used to feel inadequate <laughs> for not having the depth of knowledge on that stuff that they have. But um, now I think of it more as, okay, I've got my lane, they've got their lanes, and together I think we are greater than the sum of our parts. Excellent. 
Yeah. So for you listeners and viewers at home, do not let the humility fool you. Okay. Like if you're looking for a house to break into, <laughs> hers is not the house. It's not. <laughs> she may not be a Navy SEAL, but man, I'm telling you, like that's the wrong house. <laughs> I'm trying so, to keep up. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> so of all the, so range master. So you end up walking, walking into just kind of wandering into the mothership of all the gin joints in all the world. You had to walk into Tom's like, so did you just uh, back then that they have Google? Like that they, you know, I know it sounds bad. But. Yeah, Google was new then. I, I honestly, I was thinking about that before the show. I can't remember if I Googled it or if I like found it in the phone book or, but it was along the route between my house and where I was working at the time. So I would drive by it. So I knew about it without even looking it up. Um, and I think that was part of the reason why I went there too, because I was just familiar with the building. I would drive by it every day. And, but I never stopped in um, until that one fateful day when I went in, signed up for a class, and I guess the rest is history. Still, though, like just the simple fact that that was the closest range to your house. Like, wow, that's <laughs> nuts. <laughs> so, like, what was it like just walking in that first time? Like, was it like, uh, like we're, I mean, a lot of this we have, Tiffany and I have very, uh, a lot of mutual friends for some of those guys there, like, you know. Uh, did it feel, was it the same time? Like, well, uh, tell me, tell me how that felt like going into your well, first, your first gun class. Yeah. So I have to be honest. I did not feel, um, I didn't feel at ease. I didn't feel welcome. Um, I felt out of my element. Um, I was uncomfortable, but as soon as I say that I have to just as quickly hasten to add that all of that was my fault because I was going into it with preconceived notions. Um, and, and I didn't realize it at the time, but I was essentially handicapping myself. I was closing myself off to whatever was in store there for me. Um, so that was a lesson unto itself. But luckily, I was able to let those guards down pretty quickly because as soon as I walked through the door, I was greeted with smiles. Um, I was continually surprised at just how nice everybody was, how helpful everybody was. I mean, like you said, you and I run in a lot of the same circles. Many of the original Mothership crew, they're now working at your range um, and so we, we, we had a lot of the same cadre. So, you know, how awesome those guys are. And that was, that was the sentiment that I got. I mean, it was, wasn't too long after getting there that I met John Hearn and he's been like a brother to me ever since. Um, Will Dugan, I met at the mothership and he's been a mentor as well, you know, so were they different from me? Sure. Um, but I'm a person who enjoys difference. I like some variety and I found it fascinating just to take note, to observe all of the different um, personalities and backgrounds and motivations of folks who were interested in this thing called the gun world. And I, I still considered myself a visitor to that world at the time. And 
they just would not have that. They, you know, they <laughs> they would not let me consider myself a sightseer. And they went out of their way to welcome me and to assure me and convince me that this was my home and I belonged. Um, and I'm I am forever grateful for that. I'm gonna stop talking about it because I'll get emotional. <laughs> but it, it really did mean a lot to me. And Tom was at the helm of all of that. He set the he set the tone for that entire um you know, atmosphere. And even though Tom's mean, don't get me wrong. Well, in those days he was really mean. So yeah, yes, the rumors are true. Back in the day, Tom was a mean cuss. Um, but, (laughs) but, but he's, he still managed to attract people like Will, you know, people like John because of his sheer gravitas. I mean, there's, there's just, you can count on one hand, the number of people in the training community who are peers to Tom Gibbons and that alone attracted so many amazing people with so many different areas of expertise that we ended up with, you know, a a super diverse tapestry of personalities, not just a bunch of carbon copies of Tom. And that was one of the things that I loved about it. Um, so I enjoyed spending time at the mothership and getting to know everybody and getting to know Tom because, you know, there's the, just like every human being, there's the Tom that you meet and then there's the Tom that you get to know. So I encourage people to stick around for the Tom that you get to know because he only gets more and more fascinating. And Tom is a fascinating individual. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So um, really awesome hearing about, you know, like Tiffany, her first time going into like a gun class. Um, Does that feeling still influence you? And did it influence you while you were creating the, uh, the Gateway Instructor course? Yes, because it wasn't until later that, um, I realized just how lucky I had been because, you know, I trained almost exclusively with Tom and the mothership crew for about 10 years. It wasn't until I was well within my apprenticeship that I started branching out and training with other folks outside of Rangemaster. And I thought that everybody was like Rangemaster, (laughs) you know, like I thought that all trainers were as conscientious as Tom and his crew were. I thought that everybody was as safety conscious as Rangemaster is. I thought that everybody took it as seriously as we did. I thought everybody who trained in guns did so for defensive purposes. I, I, you know, I I guess I left one bubble and went into another bubble. (laughs) And it, it wasn't until later that that second bubble burst and I realized, oh, there's a whole lot of other calibers of training camps out there that are, you know, not not on the same uh plane i should i guess as as range master so <sighs> at <Yeah>. that point <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was when i i it occurred to me that you know just even just looking at memphis now there, there were probably there was a handful of ranges in the area and i could just have easily have gone to another one and where would my trajectory have led if instead of walking into Rangemaster that day, I walked into another range that didn't have the same quality of instructors and that 
confirmed rather than dispelling some of the misconceptions that I was harboring when I walked in the range master, that would have set me on a completely different path. And so that made me realize how important gateway instruction is and how critical that first experience is, how big of an impression that makes on people and how much it affects everything they do from that point forward. So that a lot of the, my own experience fueled my passion for gateway instruction and, and the welcome mat for people like me who are kind of peering through the window of the training community and wondering whether they should step inside. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, that curriculum is so chock full of just, I don't know, almost at a loss for words, but there's a, there's a lot of just polish that can happen. You know what I mean? Like every time, every time I see someone that is trained with Tiffany Johnson and then also the rest of the, the citizen safety Academy cadre, like a Kadir and Ryan McCann, uh, and you know, and then there's Chris, right? Chris Norville. Mm -hmm. And every time I see someone train with one of those guys, they end up being a better version of themselves. And it's not in just the way that they shoot. So, I'm talking like there's a lot more empathy. There's a lot more, you know, personability, you know, mm -hmm. there's more people that I would rather, I would like to have a beer with. So, um, and I, I found myself going off on a tangent here. So, well, I, <laughs> but, I uh, thank you. You're flattering me. I appreciate the, the kind words. That's very nice of you to say and, and inspiring. I hope we can continue to 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 play a, at least a small role in in that aspect of the training community because that is definitely where our our passions lie and you mentioned Akil so I should go ahead and give a shout out to him um, my journey started with Range Master and has blossomed from there and it was through Range Master that I met Akil I think I first met him in the early 2010s or somewhere in that and I, and I I didn't know who he was I was actually AIing for Tom. I was working as an assistant instructor for Tom when Akil came to the mothership to take a class from Tom. And then fast forward a couple of years later, and I come in contact with Akil again over social media. I didn't make the connection that it was the same guy. He was the one that told me that. And that, and only then did I remember, oh yeah, we got, yeah, I remember that. So when I saw what he was doing, I wanted to train with him and I didn't. And when I saw he was as close as he, as he was, I was like, I have to go take a class from this guy. I did. I, I was living in Memphis at the time, drove to Murfreesboro outside of Nashville, the train with the keel. And I was instantly hooked. He's amazing. Um, his company is citizen safety Academy and Basically, I ended up saying, how can I be down? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just I wanted to be a part of what they were doing. And so I guess once again, I get to say the rest is history. So now I am lucky enough to be a part of not one, but two amazing crews, Range Master and Citizen Safety Academy. And it's just I am, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a big warm shout out to both Tom and Akil for making my life better to be frank and it seems like it seems like citizen safety academy is almost tailor-made for you know what you would call gateway students right so mm -hmm. um i asked this question of of Ak, and i want to hear your answer too like what would you call a gateway student what's the definition of that Mm, great question. Thank you for asking. 
a gateway student typically falls into one of two categories. Either the student is utterly brand spanking new to firearms, as in never touched a gun, never held a gun, never fired a gun, doesn't know anything about guns, may not even like guns, may even hate guns, um, but finds himself or herself curious to take a class or even pushed to take a class. A lot of gateway students don't want to be there. Um, so that's one category and probably the, the largest that most gateway students, I would say, fall into that category. But I would also consider a gateway student to be that group of folks who has firearms experience, but it's either very limited or very remote in time. Um, so we, we get a lot of folks who either they were in the military and they have military context rifle training, or they come from a hunting culture or, you know, or a collecting culture or something along those lines where they um, have experience with revolvers or hunting rifles or hunting shotguns. And now they're coming into the personal defense world or just revisiting formal training um, as an option. So mm. I consider those folks to be gateway students too, because it's more efficient from an adult education standpoint to consider them a clean slate than to try and fit in what we're doing now around all of the pieces that they already have, you know, kind of idling in their brains. We just kind of, you know, we sweep that over like the spent, like the spent shell casings, and then we, we start fresh. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, and that does fill in some gaps too, because you know, so you can be shooting quote all your life and still be a gateway, uh, oh, yeah. gateway student. Absolutely, um, yes. Interesting, interesting. So, uh, going back to the actual curriculum, yeah, there's a lot of like really organizational and and intangible nuggets to get from that like basically just learning a lot more about how to run an effective and yeah an effective would be the absolute most accurate way of, of putting it to where it actually has some kind of effect you know um not just effective in this delivery but effective in its result uh developing curriculum uh the curricula Right. <laughs> I gotta gotta get my English right. Nice. <laughs> um, so not only delivering and you know developing effective curricula, but also, you know, um also uh developing excellent instructors as well. So was that did some of that gear from um your experiences in Citizen Safety Academy? Like was it at a point where you were seeing so many of these students that you just decided to say, "Hey, we have to we have to create more instructors that can serve all these students." Was that part of the, yeah, the origins I, of this? I think so. Um, it was a joint realization that Akil and I reached together as a result of working together. Because Akil comes from a very different background than I do. He he, I like to say he came out of the womb guns blazing. He comes from <laughs> a pro gun household and a pro-gun culture. Um, and I totally didn't. Like there were no guns in my household. Well, let me rephrase that. There were no guns that I knew about at the time in my household as I was coming up as a teenager. And so Akil took for granted a lot of the things that that I 
couldn't get around and vice versa. We, we almost, we ended up kind of being a pretty perfect yin and yang. All of my blind spots and shortcomings are his strengths um, and, and his foresight. So with that, we came to this realization that, hey, there are things that people, instructors are um, missing when it comes to ushering in brand new entrants to the training world. There are a lot of shortcuts taken. There are a lot of assumptions made. And Akil himself would say to me, wow, you know, I, I never even thought about that until I started working with you because he, like many instructors, has no working memory, no firsthand memory of being fearful of guns. Like that's just not, there's no parking space in his brain to quote Dr. William April for that sentiment. Um, and so it took me working with him to help him realize that, no, it, you know, the, <laughs> this doesn't come naturally to a lot of people, right? Yeah. And it also took me working with him to realize that it does come naturally to some people because that's a foreign concept to me. I, you know, when I hear people say that shooting is easy or guns are not scary, I think that that's kind of um, like, you know, a, a, a break from reality, you know, it's like delusion or <laughs> delusional or something, because to me, guns are absolutely scary unless you learn how to safely handle them, you know, yeah. which is, you know, sort of like six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. Like it's kind of similar to what Akil was saying, but I think it was helpful to him to realize that there is some detriment in telling brand new shooters that guns are not scary. You know, that's just one, one example of some of the things that kind of get lost in translation. If you yeah. have no memory of being a new shooter, um, because we say that all the time and we mean well by it. You know, everybody that I've ever heard say that absolutely has good intentions and doesn't mean to mislead anyone. When they say guns aren't scary, you don't have to be afraid. But to somebody who's new to guns, now you've lost all credibility because it's like saying, you know, it's like saying to uh, to somebody who's afraid of water that water is not scary or saying to somebody who's afraid of fire that you know, all you got to do is go sit next to the fire. It's not going to hurt you. Um, that makes perfect logical sense, unless you're afraid of fire. <laughs> and and emotions are so much more powerful than logic. So you can't, there's just no comparison there. There is no, there is no reasoning around emotion. It's a futile exercise. So we have to accept the emotions that people feel and work with them, work around them so that we can get both, allow people to be their true selves and acknowledge their emotions, but also engage in the logic and rationale that lead to, um, you know, deliberate, thoughtful decision-making. And I think that's an angle that uh, doesn't get hit very often in the firearm space, you know? Like you get the legal stuff, usually in permit classes or, you know, uh, beginner classes. Um, you also get the mechanics, right? I think a lot of people kind of focus too much on the gun magic that happens inside the gun rather I than. I totally agree with you. 
Yeah. And it's just, you know, and I, I agree with John Hearn when he says that, you know, there's too much shooting and shooting classes without actually talking about the why that you would have to shoot. I so agree. it's I just agree. a lot going on there and it just doesn't get hit enough. So, you know, definitely looking forward to the, uh, uh, the gateway instructor course. I'm, I'm, I've been waiting for this all my life. Like, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about it too. It, it's one of those things that I think has been kind of brewing in my mind since before I even knew anything about guns and the same with the keel. So I think it probably took the two of us coming together and complimenting each other in just the right ways for the gateway instructor certification course to finally come to fruition. And we're, you know, it's still a work in progress. Every time we've offered the class, we make tweaks, we make refinements, but it is, you know, it's, it is kind of a crowning achievement of Citizen Safety Academy. And we, we are really, really proud of the product. Our only, well, one of our <laughs> regrets is that we can't spend more time. You know, I would love to have a five-day class on gateway instruction, but that's not realistic. So we're trying to make the most out of our two days and offer a weekend class. And so far it's been going well. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I can't wait. I seriously can't wait. So yeah, that's just, just the tip of the iceberg as well. There's so much more going on with Citizen Safety Academy. Like you guys are having like really, really cool classes. Like what was it? Get to know your handgun. And you know, there's, um, what was it? I think there's some kind of derivative of, I think it's something along the lines of refuse to be a victim. I'm not sure if it's the exact class or if there's something adjacent. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we, we teach refuse. We do teach that class, <clears throat> but um, we have in keeping with gateway instruction, we have very simply titled courses that nobody can, nobody needs to argue about what they're about. We have a class called how to shoot a handgun. We have a class called how to draw from a holster. We have a class called meet your handgun, which I think is the one that you were, um, you were talking about earlier. Um, yeah. and, and, and that's the one where it's designed for people who have a gun or there is a gun in their home that they know nothing about. It's sitting in the sock drawer like a pet snake and they keep their distance and they, they, they want to just know the basics about what this machine is that is, you know, squatting in their house. And so meet your gun is the class where we bring everybody in, bring your gun, don't care what condition it's in. And we'll just open it up. We'll look through it. We'll tell you what that is, what that is, what it does. It's not a shooting class. Um, so we, we have a lot of curricula like that, that are designed just for people who are in the gateway space. Fun stuff. It's super so, fun. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in the pre-show, we'll talk uh switching gears into I've never been really good at segues. I'm sorry, but that's okay. Switching gears um, is a perfect segue. I like it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so uh in the pre-show, we were talking about, you know, um non-standard shooting techniques, uh, which plays a lot into, you know, uh something that gateway instructors are gonna have to run into. Um, I guess that would be a good segue. Anyways, there you go. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, um, uh, Tiffany, you've been uh, encountering some uh, some obstacles. There's some mm -hmm. some health challenges. Like every once in a while, I think it happens to everybody. We all get hurt sometimes, yeah. and just because we're hurt doesn't mean we're not going to get robbed in the street. So you know, we still need to know uh, how to defend ourselves, how to be careful, mm -hmm. how to you know sometimes how to shoot when my dominant hand is no longer working. So, mm -hmm. um, 
can you tell me a little bit about some of the, you know, uh, some of the experience that you've had and some, some of the, over, some of the victories you've had there? Yeah. Um, well, I'm kind of hesitant to call them victories, but, um, uh, you know, maybe I've managed to squeak out a draw here or there. Um, so on a personal note, I have several, um, physical conditions that essentially long story short, they result in my major joints kind of deteriorating. So all of my joints are in really bad shape and I've had several total joint replacements. Um, and it, you know, comes and goes, I have good days and bad, but there are some days when it doesn't affect me at all. And there are some days where I can't walk or I can't get out of bed or I can't lift, you know, a half gallon of milk, um, things like that. It's basically, I guess the simplest way to put it is arthritis but it's just arthritis on steroids <laughs> in all of my, all of my major joints and um, my fingers and hands and in my neck. So all of this has kind of come to a head lately. I've had several surgeries recently and my shoulder got to the point where I was not, I did not have enough range of motion in my shoulder to draw from the holster at three o'clock. Um, I'm already short-waisted as it is, so I didn't have a lot of real estate to work with there anyway. Um, so I was lucky in that regard because I have been dual carrying since, um, ever since I started carrying really. And that's not, that's not me trying to be a badass or anything. It was, it's just, it's another one of those freakish dumb luck things that just kind of stuck. When I first started carrying, I, I always felt off balance. And my only solution to that was to put another gun on the other side, exactly like the other gun. And only then did I feel balanced. So that's the only reason why, not the only, but that was what prompted me to carry two guns. And I just kind of got used to that and have been carrying two guns for my entire EDC career. That's so, the most legit thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so awesome. Two gun tiff. <laughs> but everybody likes to make it a whole lot sexier than it actually is. Like, you know, I'm doing some kind of super tactical. It's really not. It's a very boring story. It's just, I, I couldn't get used to the weight of the one gun. And truth be told, if I had given it some time, I probably would have gotten used to it. But I am many things. I have a couple of talents, but patience is not one of them. So I am not a patient <laughs> person. And when it didn't feel right, I was like, this doesn't feel right. And so I just, I put the other gun on and I was like, okay, that's better. And the rest is history. I keep having occasion to say that tonight. There's a lot of history, <laughs> but anyway, so sorry for the detour. Um, but I so love I detours. Was, <laughs> so I was, I was lucky. I kind of dodged a bullet there with the shoulder going bad because I was able to switch to the left side because I was already carrying there anyway and had some practice working offhand, um, which I highly recommend, by the way. Uh, but then my hands started going bad. Um, so I wasn't able to get a grip, uh, you know, the kind of, the kind of grip that I needed to really have reliable, um, uh, recovery from shooting. So I had to accommodate for that. And there's just been one thing after the other, after the other, after the other, I can't talk now. Um, my knee, I'm, I'm, right now, I'm not able to bear weight for very long on my knee, so I have to use a cane. Well, 
how are you going to draw if you're dependent on a cane to keep yourself up? You know, now you're down to one arm. It's practically like being one one handed. All of these things came into play and I've had to really tinker with my stance, with my grip, um, with my fighting platform in general, with my carry methods and modes. Um, I've just had to get really creative and try things that 20 years ago, I would have said, you know, that'll get you killed in the streets, you know, and that's one of one of the things that gateway instruction has has softened me on, which is to say you, you can't be dogmatic with any of this stuff. Yes, there are ideals. There are always ideals. Anything that we endeavor to do, there's always a perfect way to do it. But then you come back to reality and realize that nobody walking this earth is perfect and no situation is perfect. So you have to afford yourself some grace. Um, I had a bad habit of affording my students a lot more grace than I ever afforded myself. And I got confronted with that, um, you know, recently with all of these physical ailments. And finally, the whole, you just, just, just suck it up. That, that no longer worked. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> well, I would, you know, the whole point of carrying a firearm for those of us who do this for defensive purposes is to preserve the life we've made for ourselves. If in so doing, you have to uproot that life, then you've defeated your own purpose. So I don't want to end up having the gun wear me. Um, that's the wrong way to go about it. So I want to keep my life as livable as possible. Otherwise, what's the point of carrying a gun, you know? Um, and so I wasn't about to make myself miserable every day just for the sake of fitting some, you know, gun dude's stereotype of how you absolutely must carry um, when I first started having sh shoulder issues, I wasn't able to, it, it, my first solution was to lean a little bit to open up the space between my armpit and my holster. And that's bad technique, you know, uh, when compared to the ideal, you're supposed to stay erect and keep your shoulder square over your hips. And, and I would get yelled at for that in classes um, and would beat myself up for it. But it was so painful. And I ended up having to have surgery on my shoulder for wearing it out so much. And I, finally, I just said, you know what? I'm going to lean to the side because that's what I have to do. And I owe it to myself to make sure my life is livable. Otherwise, why the heck am I carrying a gun? Wow. Just facts. Just straight facts right there. <laughs> so I'm going to write that down. So I wear the gun. The gun doesn't wear me. Um, so I had a conversation with a buddy of mine and he was on the podcast and, you know, we talked a lot about wardrobe and it really kind of calls back to that, you know? So that's really interesting. Um, let's see. So Tiffany, you're doing a lot of big things in the space right now. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to the structure development program. Um, unfortunately I'm not going to be able to, to make it to TACCON this year. Um, uh, it's fortunate being, for a fortunate reason, though. <laughs> a very fortunate reason. Yeah, <laughs> I love that reason. Um, the uh, so the Range Master Tactical Conference, um, easily the biggest conference in the whole you know uh, defensive shooting space. Um, let's see. I know that you 
you do a whole lot with that thing. Can you tell me just a little bit about, for anybody that doesn't know, like what all you have going on with it, like how involved you are and maybe even go into like, if you can, like how the range master tactical conference, I don't know, got started, what it, what its goals are, stuff like that. Yeah. So um, I think we're going on our 25th year of TACCON, 20, I think it's 25, 26. I lose count. Um, Tom's going to kill me for not knowing that, but, <laughs> but it's in that it, we're come we're, we're around the quarter century mark for TACCON and boy, has it grown. Um, it started out as a bunch of folks who would get together just so that they could catch up on the latest um you know, developments in the training world. Uh, I think it's probably fair to say that it began, well, I don't want to say it was law enforcement specific, but there was a lot of, there was a lot borrowed from the law enforcement world and it was attended by a lot of folks who are active in, in law enforcement. Small groups, it was at the mothership for a long time, you know, so that tells you how small, I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't get one tenth of the tactical conference into the mothership nowadays. Well, what it is, is a three day weekend of folks who are interested in defensive shooting or just personal defense in general, because you don't have to be a shooter to go to TACCON. You don't have to shoot at TACCON at all. Um, but the attendees get together for this three day weekend and Tom, who created this event, Tom Gibbons, um, he invites some of the most well-known, most talented instructors from across the nation. And they all come in and offer two and four hour blocks of instruction across. Now we're up to, uh, I think it's eight different tracks, simultaneous tracks. So it's just like any conference that you would go to, you know, for your job or whatever, where you have sessions and, you know, for session A, you can either go to room 303 or room 304, or you could go down to the cafeteria or whatever. That's kind of how it is. And so throughout every day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, there are five to seven, maybe eight. I think now we have eight tracks, like I said, classes going on at the same time. That's both classroom instruction that's lecture only and range instruction that is live fire. And also we have some force on force training, medical training, um, hand-to-hand training. All of this takes place in one location with 45 trainers and we now have about 350 attendees. And so it's a way for people who may not otherwise be able to fly to Colorado to train with John Farnham or, you know, or anything like that. Maybe if you, if you're not able to do that, you come to TACCON and you can take, maybe you don't get the full two day Scott Jedlinski class, but you can go and train with Jedi for two hours or for four hours. And then you go down to the next bay over and train with Tim Heron for four hours. Then you go to a classroom lecture with Masad Ayub and learn about the legal aspects of, of self-defense and firearms for personal protection. Then maybe you go over to the hands-on bay and train with Caleb Causey on, um, on trauma management or, you know, medical, um, medical the, the medical side of this, this whole thing, which I think is probably a neglected area. Um, and that's that's how that's how it goes all weekend for three days and simultaneously 
There is a pistol match that is defensive, defense oriented, the Tom designs. And so we, we crown the polite society match champion at the end of the weekend on Sunday afternoon. And everybody gets to see their friends that they normally only get to speak to on Facebook. And we get to come together and train with a bunch of trainers that we might not be able to see otherwise. So that's the tactical conference. And my role has grown over the years. I started out just kind of being Tom's helper and I would sort of be a gopher and run around and do whatever, just administrative stuff, making copies, making sure people had water bottles and things like that. And now um, I, I coordinate the trainers. Obviously, everything I do is under Tom, of course. Um, but I work as the first point of contact with the trainers. I make sure that the logistics are, are all kind of well-oiled machine. Um, I, Akil is over the RSOs, but I make sure that the, the range master, um, the TACCON range safety officer crew is getting his job done, as you know, because you've served as a range master RSO before. There's just so many moving parts for a conference this big. And I guess I'm kind of like an event coordinator, um, but I, I always shudder when people say that I'm, you know, kind of running TACCON. I need to dispel that myth right now because there is one person <laughs> who runs TACCON and that's Tom Givens. It would not happen without him. And I'm just blessed and privileged to be able to play a role and whatever I can do to help make the trainers comfortable so that they can deliver the best possible product to the attendees. That's what I'm there to do. And uh, also, I like to work and make sure that Tom and his wonderful wife, Lynn Givens, are kicked back and relaxing for that weekend because they spend the rest of the year working their butts off to make it all happen. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they work so hard. And you can see the passion and the work that goes into, into the event and just how well-oiled everything is, how everything comes together. And so, I mean, event coordinator, okay. Um, I think that it'd probably be safe to call you the glue. Is it okay to call you the glue that holds this whole thing together? I don't, I, uh, that, ah, uh, nah. Okay. okay. <laughs> no, there's a whole lot of other people that help hold it together. But, um, but when they need help, I am there to help. That's me. Phenomenal stuff. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, Tiffany, where can we get a hold of you? Where can people find you? Yeah. Um, so first of all, for anything Rangemaster related, you can go to rangemaster.com, including Tom's um, calendar of classes is posted there. And Akil is now teaching combative pistol, which is Tom Givens curriculum, but he has now authorized Akil to teach it. So Akil is already booked, I don't know, eight or 10 classes around the country throughout 2023. So those are posted there too. For anything Citizen Safety Academy related, that's Akil's company, you can go to citizensafety.com and our calendar is posted there as well. Or if you just want to follow our events, you can just go to citizenssafety.eventbrite.com. We also have an online training hub. So we talked a little bit in the pre-show about how Akil and I are starting to take a lot of our in-person training online. That's partly a result of pandemic 
and also partly a result of me pushing for that to happen since long before the pandemic, because <laughs> I'm a fan of online learning. I teach online teachers how to create online classes in one of my other jobs. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to see the firearms training world finally embracing online learning. Of course, it'll never replace live training. Of course, you can't do range work online, but that doesn't mean there's no place for it. There's absolutely a place for online learning and distance learning. And so Akil and I have a separate website, which is CSA's training online training hub. It's citizensafetyonline.com. You can get to that from our regular website too. Just click on online training. Okay. Um, any socials like Facebook or I know yeah. you're on Facebook. Yep. If you search for Tiffany Johnson Memphis, I'll pop up. I think all of my social media still has me in Memphis, although I have moved to the Nashville area now. But um, if you search for Tiffany Johnson and find one that's also friends with Miko Speech and also friends with Tom Givens and Akil Kadir, that would be the right one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's me. Um, and you can also find Citizen Safety Academy online as well. Um, we're most active on Facebook and Instagram, trying to get better at Twitter. But uh, yeah, I kind of suck at Twitter. Not going to lie. Yeah. I think most <laughs> humans suck at Twitter. <laughs> I think Twitter sucks at Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. This was... <sighs> We have 48 minutes so far. Um, it, it just flew by. Tiffany, thank you so much for for doing me the honor. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate the invitation. I was thrilled when you asked me. I'm a huge Memphis Beach fan. And please keep up your good work. What you are doing, the content that you're putting into out into the community is absolutely invaluable. And we talked a little bit about this in the pre-show, but I just have to say it for all of your listeners and anybody who will see this. Um, we are, this is my soapbox. All right, I'm getting on my soapbox. I think we are too busy trying to be badasses. And we need to remember that 95% of the human beings who were who will ever come in contact with a firearm are not that type. They're just, they're accountants, they're lawyers, they're teachers, they're janitors, they're welders. And we we can't afford to build these artificial gulfs and partitions between us and them. We have to make sure that we remind everybody that, you know, I am just like you. And yeah, I might have a hobby of training and maybe I've got a couple more hours of training than you, but otherwise, you know, there's very little daylight between us. So we, I just, I think that you, your podcast and your YouTube channel, you come across as very approachable, very down to earth, never condescending, never holier than thou or better than thou, or, you know, even though you can shoot circles around everybody that I know, you're one of the greatest, greatest shooters that I've ever met. So, but, and also one of the most humble people that I've ever met. So I just think, and again, I apologize for hijacking your show and getting on my soapbox, but I think that we really could stand to have more humility in our ranks and more folks who are willing to flash those great big smiles like you just did, rather than us trying to look like badasses all the time. Everybody needs to chill out and be nice. <laughs> Tiff, you're so awesome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I apologize to the listeners because you won't be able to see me blush. 
(laughs) (laughs) But uh, specifically to my listeners and to my viewers, if you're watching or listening to this, I just want to say that I appreciate the time that you're spending here with us. You could have spent that time doing anything uh, anywhere and you're spending it with us. And I just want to let you know how much I appreciate it. I really do. Uh, Folks, thanks for watching and listening. Welcome to Memphis.